Hey, this is Pastor Michael Petit from Calvary Chapel, Divine, Texas. Would really like to thank you for taking time to check out our podcast, our Sunday sermons, and our Wednesday night Bible studies. You can always share this, download it, or even find it on Spotify, Google Podcast, Apple Podcast, SoundCloud, and pretty much wherever you can find a podcast. You can also find out about our church service times. We have our Sunday service at 10 a.m. and our Wednesday night Bible study at 7 p.m. We're located in the Market Media Building. It's located at 203 East College Avenue, Sweet C in Divine, Texas. Plus, if you need to get any other information from the church, you can do all of this at our church website at calvarydivine.org. That's calvarydivine.org. Here's today's teaching. So Daniel chapter 5, verse 13 through 31. I entitled this week from last week, The Last Night of an Empire, and the writing was on the wall, part two. Um, just to kind of catch us up of, of what's going on, um, none of us know when God is calling us home. We all have an appointed time for death, uh, and, and Belshazzar does not know that his appointed time of death is tonight. Well, not this night, but that night. He's going home, and God's gonna gonna judge. And so, um, we left off last week with them, with Belshazzar, who's actually the uh, grandson of King Nebuchadnezzar. Uh, the daughter was married to uh, Nebuchadnezzar, the the king, and we we learned that um, that Belshazzar was not really the king; he was only the king of that region. Uh, uh, and so he was ruler of the region. So that's why he tells Daniel, "I can only give you the." The third position. Um, the other thing that we found out is the Medes and the Persians were right outside the gate. So the Medes and the Persians were right outside the gate. They had been there for anywhere between three to four months. And they did not know that they were going to divert, uh, Darius was going to divert the Euphrates River that night. And they were in, a, in a, uh, a city that they thought would never be penetrated, three stories high. Uh, the walls were, uh, some will say four lengths of, of chariots, some say six, which is basically a highway on top of the wall. And it's about 15 miles of wall. And then they had 20, 20 years worth of food and water supply. So that's why they thought nobody could touch them. But they didn't know that Darius was going to divert that river and they're going to walk right through. Uh, uh, into the city and kill everybody that night. And, and so, and, and all of this is happening in the middle of a drunken orgy. And then they decide, hey, let's go ahead and get those things that have been set apart that were gods at the temple, and let's drink from those. And then the handwriting went on the wall, and now they're trying to understand what was written on the wall. Uh, and so that's where we're at in the story. So when we pick it up in verse 13, so understand the astrologers and the, uh, the, all the, the soothsayers and all of them have all tried to interpret what's on the wall and they can't. And, and they, sadly, they couldn't do it before with King Nebuchadnezzar. They had to get Daniel uh, the last time. So in verse 13 it says, Then Daniel was brought in, uh, in before the king. The king spoke and said to Daniel, Are you that Daniel who is one of the captives from Judah, whom my father the king brought from Judah? And so... The king only knew him by name, and, and he is a, a, a rich ruler. He has uh, power and, and has basically whatever he wants, but sadly, he has no eternal perspective. And that's how a lot of people are today. They're, they're, their perspective is on this world, 
and, and not on what's going to happen to them when they die. And, and that's why it's very important for us to understand as we read this, one of the things that, that hit me is, as I was going through this is um, the, I was reading about David. As we're, me and my wife study we're in, we're in 1 Samuel, 2 Samuel. And I was reading about David, and David had an issue with concubines very early on. And then what does he end up doing? He commits adultery. Solomon, same thing. Because it says in that scripture, except, there's that big word except, because he, he, he didn't, there was a, an issue with foreign women. Same thing. And it continued to haunt him throughout his, his rule. King Saul, pride. Same thing. It, it, the, the pride that, that he had early on was the thing that tripped him up at the end. And it's a reminder to us as, as we are look at humanity and we're to have a biblical perspective. The enemy is not going to use very different tactics with you. He already knows what's going to cause you to fall. He knows. And, and so that's why when we look at, at uh, 1 John chapter 2, verse 16, it says, For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. And so that's, again, when we look at Eve, Eve, very simply, was this. Eve saw the tree of knowledge of good and evil and was good for food. So she, she had the lust of the flesh. And it was pleasant to the eyes. So she had the lust of, lust of the eyes. And then eventually it would make her wise. So she had the pride of life. The enemy uses these same tactics all the time. He doesn't have to switch it up that often because you'll covet after something. Or, or you'll lust after something, or you'll allow your pride to get you in a lot of trouble. And so that's where we're at with Belteshazzar. Belteshazzar is, is mocking God, and he doesn't realize the last thing that he's going to do on, in this world is to mock God. I want you to think about that for a second, because as we go through this study, I want you to think about what it would be like if you were raptured right now. What was the last thing you did today? Did you get into it with a co-worker or did you, let's say you got upset with, your, with a family member during Christmas and you never responded back to them and you're called home or you either, or something happens and you die. The last thing that you did was do what? And, and so Balthazar, this is one of the things that, that I took from this is our, our moments here on earth are so important as believers. Solomon's name with wisdom at the very beginning, was worth a lot. But by the end of his life, he had destroyed his testimony. And that's what I don't want to see happen to any of us. It's very important that we understand that, that you can be taken home at any time. What's, what's your last words going to be to your kids? Or your spouse? Or your boss? Right? As a believer, we should be loving and show grace. And, and, and so we'll get into that as we look a little bit further into the Scripture. One of the things that we do need to understand is he said the king spoke of Daniel. So he said, then Daniel brought him before the king. He says, are you that Daniel who is one of the captives from Judah, whom my father the king brought from Judah? So he, he basically, in a way, just kind of is like, hey, didn't we capture y'all and bring you from Judah? You're that guy? 
And, and sadly, this would be no different than the Queen of England having Winston Churchill and never talking to him. This is basically what this is. This would be the Queen of England, Queen Elizabeth, having to get advice or having to get information on how to do something for the kingdom, and she would never talk to Winston Churchill. Never even knew. Heard of his name, but never, never met him. Like you have somebody that's so wise and has wisdom, but you don't, you don't want him around because you're living a life that's, that's full of sin, and that's what Belshazzar was doing. And then he, he tells them, hey, you're one of those captives from Judah, kind of poking at him. But he didn't know that Daniel's a citizen of heaven. And that's the same with us. No matter what you're called here on earth, your perspective needs to be eternal. This is not your home. Verse 14 says, I have heard of you, that the Spirit of God is in you, and that the light and understanding is excellent wisdom are found in you. That's an awesome thing to think that his reputation is known as somebody that has the Spirit of God in them and the light and understanding and excellent wisdom is found in them. But why wouldn't you use them? This is the first time you're meeting them. And he knew the story. This is the grandson of Nebuchadnezzar. He would have known the story of his grandfather. And he chose the world. He chose the world. And, and unfortunately, you know, when we think about the Spirit of God, the Spirit of God is the Holy Spirit which resides in us. And the apostles, you know, would look for that, that Spirit of, of God's wisdom as well. And that's what we should be looking for too, is that we would have the wisdom of God as we make decisions. In Acts chapter 6, verse 3, it says, Therefore, brethren, seek out among you seven men of good reputation, full of the Holy Spirit and wisdom. Wisdom. Who we may appoint over this business. As they were picking deacons, they're saying, hey, we want people that are growing in Christ. That are growing. That have the wisdom of God. That are filled with the Holy Spirit. That's what you look for when you look for a leader. Do they have, do they have the Spirit of God? Is the Spirit of God moving in their life? And, and do they have the wisdom of God? We have the Bible, so there's no, no lack of wisdom. that we, we, Everything we need is there. But if we don't open it, and we'll talk about that this weekend, because we're going we're gonna to talk about the, we were talking about the next steps, and we're gonna, I'm going to go in a little bit deeper on that um, Sunday. I think we need to, especially as we step into a new building. Uh, the step of faith that it's going to be to continue to, to try to minister here in, in this city and, and the things that are going to be happening over the year. And, and it's like, I got I to gotta seek wisdom because I'm not that bright of a guy. I need God's wisdom. I don't need Mike's wisdom. Mike's wisdom, we'd be out in the parking lot probably trying to do church. And everything that's happening is all because of the Lord. Because I, you think about it, we didn't even have, a, this wasn't even an idea, it was because of the night of worship. And that's where it came out of. We took that step of faith to do a night of worship and then God created a, a relationship there and then opened the door for us to, to be able to, because we knew that this, this classroom was not going to hold these kids for long. We knew it. 
And so for us, we need to be seeking God's wisdom. James chapter 1, verses 5 and 6, y'all are very familiar with this verse. If anyone lacks wisdom, let him ask of God who gives to all liberally and without reproach, and it will be given to him. But let him ask in faith with no doubting, for he, uh, he who doubts is like a wave of the sea driven and tossed by the wind. See, part of us growing is us taking those steps of faith and and at the same time seeking God's wisdom. We do that through prayer. We do that through the Holy Spirit. We do that through God's Word. Sometimes God will put somebody in your life that will give you a word of wisdom from the Lord. They may have a scripture or something that's been put on your heart. And, and it happens. That's what the Holy Spirit and, and, and what God does. Verse 15 says, Now the wise men, the astrologers, have brought in before me that they should read the, uh, this writing and make known to me its interpretation. But they could not give the interpretation of the thing. And I have heard of you, and that you have interpretations and explain enigmas, now, if you can read the writing and make known to me its interpretation, you shall be clothed with purple and have chain of gold around your neck and, and shall be the third ruler in the kingdom. So he's telling them, look, again, he's telling them, hey, I heard of you. I heard of you, and I, and I heard that you can, you can figure things out because these other guys, they don't know what they're doing. And honestly, that's a, that's a big a, a big. Uh, thing for you to remember as well stay away from astrology is it's the devil's stuff you don't need to be messing with that you don't need to know what your what your 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 uh thing is today that's it's a waste of time that's what the devil uses astrology and and um tarot card readings all that stuff they don't it's all just avenues of open up doorways and pathways to the enemy the devil uses us and they couldn't figure it out and that's because they're not full of the spirit daniel is daniel had the the faith uh and and believed in god and lived for god on a daily basis daniel wasn't anywhere near the party that was going on daniel wasn't even part of this administration he was just kind of in limbo ever since King Nebuchadnezzar had passed away. But we need to remember as Christians and, and also for the church as, as the Holy Spirit is given to us, uh, Jesus Christ has defeated death and, and, and the resurrection power, we are in Christ. And so we are His people. And so it's impossible. Uh, when we think something's impossible, God can, can do the impossible. But... We need to understand that we need to be seeking that wisdom from God to help us in those situations. In verse 17, it says, Then Daniel answered and said before the king, Let your gifts be for yourselves, and your, give your rewards to another. Yet I will read the writing to the king and make it known to him the interpretation. Daniel just tells him straight up, I'll, I'll give you the interpretation that's been written on the wall. I'll tell you what it is. I don't want your gifts. Right? And, and a true servant of God doesn't hide the truth behind a paywall. And what I mean by that, think about it. Whenever you go to try to read an article on some of these newspapers, you get about halfway down and then they want you to subscribe. It's a paywall. Us as servants of God, 
that's why when we do the tide box, that's between you and the Lord. It's between you and God how you give. That we want you to give from the heart, and it's not about the amount. It's, it's about how God moves in your life to do that. And so as a servant of God, we're not going to hide behind a paywall telling you, hey, you need to be paying. That's, I, I've never been one for membership. You know, let, let's get your bank account and the 10% and let's do it. No. I would rather you do it because God's called you to do it. Because grace is that, that grace giving is because that's what God has put on your heart. And Daniel's saying, you can keep those gifts. I don't need them. I don't need them. I don't need to be the third person in this kingdom. Right? Yet Daniel isn't afraid to share the truth with them. And he doesn't, he doesn't ask for any extra titles. He's, he's not afraid because he's trusting God in this situation. Again, this is another situation where Daniel can be killed. Daniel can be killed again, just like he told King Nebuchadnezzar his dream. This, this guy can kill him just as much. And let me tell you, sometimes the truth, it stings. And I, I, I'm going to say this about as best as I can. When somebody gives you truth, there needs to be grace and love behind it. So if you need to share something with somebody, there's got to be grace and love behind it. If you just hit them, you know, one of the things I was thinking about today is like it, the, the worst thing in the world is to get a, a, a correction or some kind of truth given to you and, and they leave teeth marks and they rip the flesh because it hurt so bad how they gave it to you. Doesn't mean that it's not true, right? But it means that, hey, there's got to be grace and love in it too. We need, to, we need to give some grace and love when we speak. Because look, at, at the same time, it's not easy telling somebody, hey, this thing that you're doing goes against God's word. And, and, and I love you. I, I don't want to see you continue going down this path. That's the only reason why I'm telling you. But if you start pulling out the Bible and start beating them over the head with it and telling them how messed up they are, how, how much do you think you're going to win them over for the Lord? You're sharing truth with them, but you're, there's no grace or love with it. In verse 18, it says, O king, the most high God gave Nebuchadnezzar your father a kingdom and a majesty and a glory and an honor. So basically, he's going to take him back and share the testimony of King Nebuchadnezzar since the grandson forgot it, <laughs> right? And, and he tells him, and because the majesty that he gave him, all peoples, nations, languages trembled in fear before him. Whomever he wished, he executed. Whomever he wished, he kept alive. Whomever he wished, he set up. And whomever he wished, he put down. So he's telling him about this great power that King Nebuchadnezzar had. And remember, King Nebuchadnezzar could kill anybody at any moment because he had everything. There was never a rule like this until the Roman Empire. Verse 20, it says, But when his heart was lifted up and his spirit was hardened by, in pride, this is the same type of pride that Belshazzar is dealing with. Same pride. He disposed from his kingly throne and they took his glory from him. Then he was driven from the sons of men. His heart was made like, a, uh, like the beast and his dwelling was the wild donkeys. They fed him uh, with grass like oxen and his body was wet with the dew of heaven till he knew that the Most High God rules and kingdom, 
of men and appoints whom uh, appoints over it to whomever he chooses. So he's telling them, hey, look, this is what your grandfather went through. But at the end of it, he came to know God. He came to know the Most High God because he humbled himself. The only cure to pride is humility. That's the only cure to pride. You need to be humble. You mess up, you need to be humble. Own it. We see the details in that context of Scripture. He's sharing the truth with them, but he's saying that Daniel shares that there is a true and living God. And He's the one who has everything under control, not you. He's telling them that the ways of God are gracious and generous, and God is long-suffering, even towards His enemies, even towards Nebuchadnezzar. Remember, He gave them almost a year before He did that to him and put him out to pastor. He gave him a year to repent. Now, with Belshazzar, there's not going to be that. And so you go, well, wait a minute. How come he gave Nebuchadnezzar a year and Belshazzar, he didn't get no time. He got, he got killed that night. Uh, because you need to understand, repentance needs to happen. You don't, hang on, you don't hang on to your sin. You need to let it go. That's the problem with a lot of people is they think, I have time. I have time. I'll deal with that later. I, I, I got time. No, you don't. No, you don't. But this is a, a prime example that you're, you don't have time and that God's in control. But He is long-suffering, and you think you may be getting away with your sin, but you're not. You're not. And, and we also see that it was the works of God. He was in charge of all things, including people and nations. And the thing that Belshazzar never understood is that you do not mock God. Because God's handwriting went on the wall at that moment. That empire was going to fall that night. And he tells them in verse 22, But you, his son Belshazzar, have not humbled your heart. Although you knew all this. He's like, hey, you were prideful. You knew the story of your grandfather. But you didn't humble your heart. And we all have people in our lives that are like that. That you have shared Christ with them. You've shared your testimony with them. And they will not humble their heart. And they think that judgment is not coming. But it is. It is. Judgment will come. God is, God is a just God, and He will, and is a righteous God, and He will judge. And pride, and He will not deal with you mocking Him. That's one thing that, that long-suffering up to a point, but you want to mock God, He's going to deal with you. He's like, you, He tells them, although you knew all this, you know this. And yet you will not turn. You will not turn. I don't know how many kids I've seen when we had in VBS. I was going through the pictures uh, for, for Grace. We were helping, helping them redo their website. And we had the 20th anniversary. And I'm going through and I'm seeing all these kids that I know that are all adults now. And I don't know how many of those kids that gave their life to Christ at the VBS. And they're gone. And they're following the things of this world. I just, it broke my heart looking at the pictures. 
Because I was like, what happened to them? I know some of them are hooked on drugs. Struggling with sin. Major sin. But they won't repent. And, and just like, you know, uh, Daniel said to Balthazar, you know all this. You grew up. You know who God is. You know about Jesus. You know that you need to repent, but you won't do it. And, and that's that wide road that people get on. That's that wide road that people get on. And it says, and you have lifted up yourself, verse 23, up against the Lord of heaven. They have brought the vessels of his house before you. And you, your lords, your wives, and your concubines have drunk wine from them. And you have praised the gods of silver and gold, bronze and iron, wood and stone, which do not see or hear or know. And the God who holds your breath in hands and owns all your ways, you have not glorified. And he's telling me, he said, instead of repenting, instead of, instead of following your, your grandfather, you rejected that. And then on top of that, you mocked God. You mock God. And, and it's very important to understand what he says here. He says that you have praised the gods of silver and gold, bronze and iron, wood and stone, and this is important, which do not see, hear, or know, and God who holds your breath in his hands and owns all your ways, you have not glorified. Think about that every time you breathe. It's God that holds his breath in your, he, it's him. He holds your breath. And he's letting you know all these false gods and false religions. They don't hear. They don't see. They don't know because they're not real. When you think about Hinduism or Buddhism or any kind of ism. They don't see. They don't hear, they don't know because they're false gods. And how many people are following that stuff and thinking that there's more than one way to heaven? That's what a lot of kids believe nowadays. That, hey, I, I, God's just going to let me in. Uh, no. Belshazzar is a great example of this. No. You, you, you're doing things that, are, that you should repent of and you're not repenting of them and you're rejecting me. You're rejecting me. And guess what? Even if you don't make a decision, if you die, the decision was made. You rejected him. In Psalm 10, verse 4, it says, The wicked and his proud countenance does not seek God. God is, none of it, uh, is, is in none of his thoughts. They don't seek God. It's not even in a thought. And Belshazzar knew, but yet he, he wasn't seeking God. And that's what pride is. Pride is a disease. And it, and it pulls people away from God. Because you, you resist God because of your proud, you're, you're, you're too proud. And Proverbs 11.2 says, When pride comes, then comes disgrace, but with the humble is wisdom. We talked about wisdom, the Spirit of God. Where do you get the Spirit of God? Part of it is being humble. Humility. It's humility. 
That's why it says, you know, uh, first pride, then the fall, then, the, then comes shame. And you're connected with the fall. But to be humble and down to earth reduces the danger of stumbling. If you think about the Tower of Babel, the Tower of Babel, those were people that were full of pride. They were full of pride because it says in, in, in Genesis chapter 11, verse 4, And they said, Come, let us build ourselves a city and a, towers, uh, a tower whose top is in the heavens. Let us make a name for ourselves, lest we be scattered abroad over the face of the whole earth. But the Lord came down to see the city and the tower which the sons of men had built. And the Lord said, Indeed, the people are one, and they all have a, uh, one language, and this is what they have begun to do. Now nothing that they propose to do will be withheld from them. Come, let us go down, and, and there confuse their language, that they may not understand one another's speech. So the Lord scattered them abroad from there over the face of all the earth, and they ceased building the city. Therefore its name is Babel, because... There the, the Lord confused the language of all the earth, and from the, uh, there the Lord scattered them abroad over the face of all the earth. Their efforts that they were doing is they wanted to be God. They were choosing to be God, man-centered. We'll create, we'll be our own God. That's what they were wanting to do. And it's the same thing, that, that same pride that Miriam had when she... Uh, she questions God in, in, in Numbers chapter 12, verses 1 through 3. Then Marion and Aaron spoke against Moses because of the Ethiopian women whom he had married. For he had married an Ethiopian woman. So they said, has the Lord indeed spoken only through Moses? That's pride. Why do you get to lead? Can I tell you, it's not fun to lead. You know what... <laughs> You know what? <laughs> it, at the end of the day, Moses was a very humble man. But that's one thing we can learn. And, and you know what you get? And, and this is what I want you to get from this. Is as you look at Belshazzar, prideful. You look at Daniel, humble. You look at Moses, humble. You look at Marion and Aaron, they were prideful. That's the example that's going on here. That's the parallel that's happening here. You can either be spirit-filled, humble, and full of wisdom, or you can be full of pride, full of sin, and ready to be judged by God. Now, that's, that's the example that we see. As we know, if we go further down in Numbers chapter 12, verse 9 through 13, God dealt with that. It says, So the anger of the Lord was aroused against them, and he departed. And when the cloud departed from above the tabernacle, suddenly Miriam became leprous. If you don't think God's going to deal with your stuff, God's going to deal with your stuff. Moses was humble. Look at King Herod in, in, in Acts chapter 12, verses 20 through 24. It says, Now Herod had become very angry with the people of Tyre and Sidon, but they uh, came to him on one accord, and having made Blastus, the king, personal aid, their friend, they asked for peace because their country was supplied with food uh, by the king's country. So on that day, Herod, array in royal apparel, sat on his throne and gave orientation, uh, or orientation to uh, to them, and and the people came shouting, "The voice of God, and not a man." Then immediately the angel of the Lord struck him, because he did not give glory to God, and he was eaten by worms and died. 
But the Word of God grew and multiplied. Do you see what happens when people are judged? The Word of God grew and multiplied. This dude was in sin and, and receiving the glory of God. He was blaspheming uh, God and taking God's glory just as King Nebuchadnezzar did. And what happens to... He, he is struck down by an angel of the Lord. Killed. Because he did not give glory to God. And it says, and he was eaten by worms and died. So anybody who thinks that the Old Testament God doesn't deal with things in the New Testament, you're out of your mind. Yes, we live in grace. But don't abuse His grace. Thinking that you're just going to keep getting away with this stuff. And that's especially for us as Christians. We have to deal with our stuff. You need, to be, you need to be asking God and, and repenting from your sin. When you're, when you're stumbling and fumbling and messing up, you need to be seeking God. In Isaiah 42, 8, it says, I am the Lord, that is my name, and my glory I will not give to another, nor, nor my praise to carved images. He's like, that's my glory. Even when you're sent out and you're filled with the Spirit of God, filled with wisdom, humble. Who gets the glory? God. God gets it. It's His. Because God opposes the proud. Verse 23, it says, and He, let me get here, and He says, and He had, uh, and you have lifted yourself up because the Lord of heavens, they have brought the vessels of the house before you, and, and you and your lords, your wives, your concubines have drunk wine from them, and you have praised the gods of silver, gold, bronze, and iron, wood, and stone, which you do not see or hear. Know that uh, the God who holds your breath in his hands in all your ways you have not glorified. So one of the things we need to remember, it's, it's when the... When, when we desire to reject God, we're actually accepting Satan. When you reject God, you're, you're not for God anymore. You're an enemy of God. You're, you're on Satan's team at that point. You think about the people in, you know, I was thinking about Whoopi Goldberg today. And you think about Hitler. There were people who rejected the Word of God to be saved so they wouldn't go through all the stuff and we don't reject God's word as Christians that's one thing that we don't do and, and yet we see this all the time and and so you know we need to be desperately seeking and teaching the word of God and preaching the word of God uh, so people understand you know Daniel is actually kind of basically given a sermon here if this is who your father, your grandfather was, this is what he did. This is your sin. Right? This is your sin. And this is why the writing's on the wall. And, and, and he's dealing with something that, that Belshazzar has no clue because he thinks that he's got tomorrow. He thinks that his kingdom will never be overturned, just like King Nebuchadnezzar did. And you have to remember that there are two judgment seats that we'll see. There's only one, the great white throne of judgment for those who chose not to follow Christ, for those who rejected God, 
Your name is not written in the book of life. It's in Revelation 20, verses 11 through 15. And you can read about that. When you get some time, you should read about that. Because God will judge. The other is the Bema Seat of Judgment. That's in Romans chapter 14, verses 10 through 12. It says, But why do you judge your brother? Or why do you show contempt for your brother? For we shall all stand before the judgment seat of Christ. So as Christians, as people who have chosen to follow Christ, covered by the blood of God, by the blood of Christ, when, Jesus, when God sees us, He sees His Son. But you still have to go to the Bema seat. And the Bema seat of judgment is whether or not you get rewards or not. But you still have to explain the things that you did. Did you actually go and share the gospel? Did you actually live for Christ? Were you, were you obedient to my word? There are various types of crowns that are given. It's throughout Scripture. You can read it in 2 Timothy 2.5, 2 Timothy 4.8, James chapter 1, verse 12, 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 4, Revelation 2, verse 10, and James chapter 1, verse 12. But see, people think, well, I can say this, I can do this. Well, you're going to st stand before God and have to explain that. Every word, every look, every thought. And that's at the Bema seat. That still scares me. I, I know it's about rewards and all that stuff, but I'm standing before Jesus. And he's going to be like, Mike, why did you say this? Why did you say that to your kid? Right? Think about that just for a second. Even though at the end of the day, praise God, I'm in heaven. But I've, I've, I've done some stupid stuff, even as a believer. That's one of the things that we need to remember is just because I'm the pastor doesn't mean that I don't screw up, that I don't make mistakes. And, and we need to own that stuff. Verse 24 says, And the fingers of the hand were sent from him. And this writing was written, and, and this is the inscription that was written, Mene, Mene, Tekel, uh, peros, the interpretation of each word. Many actually uh, was the God has numbered your kingdom and finished it. Teka, uh, tekel, uh, you have been weighed in the, the balance and found wanting. And peros, uh, your kingdom has been divided and given to the Medes and Persian. And so that many is actually a weight of measurement. It's actually usually 50 shekels or 60 shekels. Tekel uh, is, is, is to be weighed, and then Peros is to, to break and divide in two. So Belteshazzar was receiving payments of gold, silver, and other, but guess what? Nothing could save his life that night. Nothing. Because there was nothing that, that could take care of the payment that, that was required. Because he would not, he rejected God, he mocked God. In Romans chapter 6, verse 23, it says, For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. We have to understand that it's the wages of sin. One sin. That's it. 
And this guy, he doesn't understand that God's going to change the course of a nation in one night. This should be an awakening for America. Belshazzar's kingdom in one night was overthrown. I don't think we think that. All that would never happen to America. An America that turns away from God, God will turn away from America. An America that rejects Israel, God's nation, God will deal with that too. In one night, gone. It's gone. Judgment, gone. Change the course of history. Anyone who thinks that God can't do something that quickly, it's been done before. So, so if you think about that, who are you putting your trust in? Right? Verse 29 says, And Belshazzar gave the command, and they clothed Daniel with purple, and put a chain of gold around his neck, and made a proclamation concerning him that he should be the third ruler in the kingdom. Now, why did he do this? Was he trying to, hey man, can you put a good word in for me? No, you can't. I can't put a good word in for you. For God, you have to choose to follow God. That's a choice you have to make. I've said this before. Your tío and your tía, they don't get you into heaven. Neither does your grandmother or your grandfather. They can't put a good word for you. They're not going to be sitting at some pearly gates that you think there is. That's a, a myth of, oh, okay, well, there's grandma. Hey, grandma, can you let me in? That's not happening. That's something that, that we've conjured up here on earth. That's wrong thinking. It's worldly thinking. Biblical thinking is the wages of sin is death, and you will have to pay your debt. And the only way that your debt is paid is Jesus Christ. And Balthasar thinks that, hey, man, I'm going to give you this, these uh, purple chain of gold, and, and I'm going to make you the third ruler. The third ruler of what, for three hours? Four hours? It's over. Verse 30 says that the very night Belshazzar, the king of the Chaldeans, was slain, and Darius the Mede received the kingdom, being about 62 years old. Daniel confronted Belshazzar. He offered him no way of escape. And he had to face final judgment. And it's a reminder of that verse, God holds your breath. Every one of us. Believer or non-believer? That's what people don't understand. Atheist or Christian? God holds your breath. Muslim or Hindu? God holds your breath. And he's trying to tell you the only way that you get to heaven is through my son, Jesus Christ, through repentance, through belief in the resurrection. That's the only way. And here this, this man of God, Daniel, this captive of Judah as he was called. Aren't you one of the captives of Judah? Yes, I am. I'm a man of God. Full of, full of wisdom, humility, and, and standing out living for God. And to think this guy was there the whole time and you never went to talk to him. You never went to talk to him. Do y'all realize that God puts people in place for you that has wisdom, that can pray with you? I mean, God does that, and yet we never seek them. My dad is that way. When I need advice on something or I need, I, I call my father. 
Because I can be real with him. And you know what? He'll be real with me. He'll be straight up with me. Joe's that way with me. Because that's, that's what I need. I don't need somebody giving me a bunch of sugar. I, I, sometimes I need grace, truth, and love. I need it. Lord knows I've been in Joe's office many times and he's like, Mike, I think there's a little pride there. And you're like, and you go, yeah. There was. I need to ask for forgiveness. We're all human. But what are you going to do when you find out that you've, you've made that mistake, that you sinned? Are you going to seek forgiveness or are you just going to keep doing it over and over and over? My dad always would tell me the worst thing in the world is to, to know the consequence of something and just keep doing it over and over and over. Knowing that God has shown you this, not to do it, but you go, I'm going to keep doing it. I'm going to keep doing it. Like he's shown you. Repent from it. Walk away from it. Learn from it. Don't make the same mistake over and over and over. It's, it's hard. Let me tell you, man, sometimes, you know, it's, it's, it's that humility. Will you be humble? Or do you need to be heard? Because let me tell you, I like to be heard. Like a knucklehead. You know, and, and we need to remember in James chapter 4, verse 6, it says, but, but he gives more grace, therefore he says, God resists the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. Do you realize prophecy was fulfilled in this scripture? God said that that kingdom was going to fall, and it was going to fall to the Medes and the Persians, and guess what it did? It fell to the Medes and the Persians, just like he said. Just like we know that Jesus is going to return for us at any moment. So that's the question I have to ask you. What is your last moment on earth going to be like? Do you have some unforgiveness? Have you said something to somebody where you go, oh man. <laughs> Thanksgiving, I kind of got upset at, at Uncle So-and-So. And I, right? What is your last moment here on earth going to be? Because Belshazzar's last moment was mocking God. And he died that night. He was killed, slain, and the empire fell. Are you going to be prideful like Belshazzar? Are you going to be humble, full of the Spirit, full of wisdom like Daniel? God holds your breath. None of us are promised tomorrow. None of us. Now, I can, I can tell you, I, I had to live this scripture out this week. And have a restless night. Restless night. Didn't sleep well. Because I thought, man, if that's the last thing I say to that person. And I was like, I'm no different than Belshazzar. I'm a Christian. Where's the love? Where's the grace? Where's the humble? The humility? Right? Where's the mercy? So we need to remember it, it, it doesn't matter if you have a title or you don't. You can get upset with a co-worker and lose your mind on them. 
and they may drive home and die in a car accident. And the last thing they heard you say was whatever you went off on them with. And you're the believer. There may be an extended family member. Lord knows we all have one of those that upsets us every now and then, right? That, that can just bluntly say something and you go, you're wrong. You're wrong. And you just go off on them because there's no love in what they say. That's going to be the last thing you say to that person. What about when you get upset with a kid? I've done that before. I got five. If you have kids, you're going to, this is going to happen. But adult kids, you get upset with them. Is that the last thing you're going to be, be said to them is, is you going off on them and not, not having any love? Something happens to them and they die? And the last thing you said to them was ugly? See, this, this, this scripture should remind us that we're not promised tomorrow. And as Christians, our speech should be seasoned with salt and love and grace. Okay? Remember in James, it says your mouth can do what? Set a blaze of fire. We need to remember that. And if we're doing that, we need to repent of that. But let me tell you, if you, if you hurt someone, there needs to be some forgiveness there. Reach out to them. If they, don't, if they don't let you have that forgiveness, at least you tried. But you got right with God and you got right with them. You tried. It's not easy. But this walk as a Christian is supposed to be spirit-filled. Right? Full of wisdom. Full of grace. You know when you say something, you do something that's wrong and you need to deal with it. Get right with God and then get right with that person. Okay? And, and at the end of the day, we all go through this. So it's not like this is just, oh, I'm the only one. No, we've all been through this. And, and so we need, to, we need to remember we treat each other with love. We're, we're called to love God with all our heart, all our soul, all our mind, and to what? Love our neighbors. And that's agape love, which is expecting nothing in return. Not even an apology. And let me tell you, that's hard to do when you're being prideful. <laughs> and you want to be right, right? Been there, done that. I have the t-shirt if you want it, right? But that's my prayer for you tonight is, is when you walk away from chapter 5, walk away from it knowing that that man mocked God. That was his last thing he did on this earth. Mocking God and his life was going to be taken from him that night. And to remember that God holds every person's breath, believer or non-believer. The rapture can happen at any time. Anytime. What do you want your last thing to be done here on earth? You yelling at the kids? And then boom, you're, oh Jesus, I'm... <laughs> right? Or... Think about that. Are you, are you upset with your boss? And you decide today's going to be the day that I let my Christian be put aside and I'm going to let my flesh go. And then boom, you're raptured and you're in, front of your, you're in front of your real boss, Jesus. And you're like, oh, Lord have mercy. And you're coming in on flames and trying to put yourself out. 
You know, we need to remember that as Christians, like our constantly people are watching us, including our family members, extended family members, friends and co-workers. And they're seeing, is that real? Oh, there they go. But what's really cool is when you go back and apologize to them and you tell them, you know what, man, I, I sinned. I'm sorry. I should have never, shouldn't have done that. I don't know how else to tell you I apologize. Not an apology like Whoopi Goldberg where you're, you're trying to argue the point. You just say, I'm sorry. I, I, I messed up. That's all you need to say. But get right with God first. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you so much for today. We do pray and we ask that you just continue to be with us. What a great chapter, chapter 5, as we look at uh, just how sinful the nation of Babylon was and how quickly you ended that nation. In one night. In one night. And it's a reminder to us as America, as we pray, Lord, we ask that we would be forgiven of our sins. And we ask, Lord, that you would uh, wake up those that are in power to follow you, to do things that, uh, that you are called, uh, that you call us to do. And I, and I pray for our leaders, Lord. I pray that we would be a nation that, that, that um, one nation under God, that we wouldn't turn from you. And I also pray for all of us here, Lord. I know that we've, this is kind of a hard sermon. We probably have all been proudful at some point and, and have said something or done something. And, and, and Lord, I just pray that you just continue to help us speak with grace, with salt, uh, that we would be the light in this community and our families and our marriages. And I thank you just for all that you're doing in this church. We do pray for the move on Sunday that everything goes well. We just thank you, and we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you so much. That was Pastor Michael Petit from Calvary Divine, Texas. Remember, if you need to get more information on the church, you can do that at calvarydivine.org. God bless.